We're welcoming Tamur Tariq to the show. Hey, Tamur, uh, great to meet you. Hey, Jeff, uh, thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure. Yeah, I think we've spoken quite a bit on LinkedIn and uh, different RevOps communities, but this is our first time actually meeting, so it's really great to actually get to connect with you. Uh, likewise, like I was mentioning earlier, like I've, I've been reading your newsletter and I've been seeing your, your content, big fan of yours. So it's, uh, I have a bit, a bit of imposter syndrome of being here. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Don't worry about that. I honestly feel like I'm still growing. I just tend to sh- overshare what I learn. So it may just seem that I'm an expert in what I do. <laughs> so. For me, I, for me, it's probably the opposite. I, I, I've just started posting a bit on LinkedIn. So, uh. I need to. I need to start saying more and like be more open to conversations. I guess. Well, I think you should. You have a lot to share. So today, I think we're going to focus on you know good RevOps is good product management. You come from a unique background where I think you were formerly in sales and then spent a lot of time in revenue operations. Um, but before we jump into like the topic of product management, can you give me and the audience like a little bit of preview about you and how you moved into revenue operations? Uh, sure. So uh, I uh, yeah I started my career off in sales. I used to be that SDR that used to complain a lot about our processes. And my manager at the time was, hey, then we'll stop complaining and go fix it. And yeah, that was my entry in the world of RevOps, uh, sales ops back in the day, and uh, I never looked back. So uh, I would say over the next 10 years, I've been in almost every RevOps role possible. I've been a system admin. I've done uh, data analysis. I was a data analyst. I've been forecast calls. I was this time I was running a CS operations team at a startup, and I was also also been a marketo admin, so I've done a bit of market, uh, 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 marketing operations as well. And then yeah, like I, uh, I think the reason I like RevOps so much is because a we, uh, you probably can relate to this as well. Every day we get to solve new problems. Uh, secondly, I think it's uh, we uh, have a very holistic view of the business right like every day we we see things from a very high level and we also get to dive deep at the same time and i think lastly is because uh uh, we see our impact the work that we do we see the impact on on a regular basis so i think for that reason i've always been let's say really interested in the world of RevOps, and it's just i never thought when i went to school i'll be doing RevOps, but uh, 10 years later here i am i think it's so cool you've done a tour of duty in the system side of the house, then sales ops, CS ops, marketing ops. I think a lot of folks don't actually get that tour of duty experience. They kind of stay in one vertical and move their way up over time. I think a lot of folks kind of jokingly say that RevOps is just sales ops rebranded. But I think your experience leads otherwise leads me to believe otherwise that you really have sat in the different seats across the different revenue operations uh, options that are out there. Um, one thing I wanted to dig into a little bit is that you were a head of revenue operations at Celix, and then you merged with another company, I think a competitor. So you had the unique privilege of seeing a build and then a merge. You know, can you walk me through the different mindsets from transitioning from you know build and then having to integrate two different businesses? Uh, so firstly, I would say mergers are hard. They're a lot easier on paper. Uh, they seem a lot great uh, on paper, but like when you actually go through it, they're hard, right? So. Initially, when we merged from with uh, with Perpetua, uh, we were coming. We are in the same business space, but they were more enterprise focused, while Celix was more uh, uh, that's SMB space. But the uh, the challenge that we had was uh, we had to let's say, look at our different tech stacks. We had to look at different go to market motions. Then we had to look at uh, 
the overall processes of how we actually operate as a business and then merge into one, right? So we had to shut down one brand and we were we had to move all the team under one, uh, we were all selling one product now. So, and then in the process, I, uh, I, had, I had the opportunity to like build a revenue operations team from ground up at both. So Petra did not really have a rev, like a strong rev ops setup at the moment, but I had to like go find, let's say different people within the team and then build out a team as well. So uh, a great experience, a lot of learning, but like I said, a lot harder than you initially think it is, right? Because you have your initial uh, challenges, but married on top of uh, people coming from different cultures, people are used to different operate, like operating system, all of a sudden everybody has a new job, right? Because no one applied for this job, but the day after the acquisition, you have new roommates, you have you know, just you just got married to another household, and all of a sudden, you have a new family. Uh, so they're always, let's say, the political and, and the cultural challenges, which are hard in every environment, every merger. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I was just thinking that, like a movie where you have two families with grown children, they marry and they have to merge together. I was just kind of thinking the chaos that might have happened there. So thank you for sharing that. So but it's a lot of fun. I must say, it's, it's fun too. It's uh, everyone should go through this experience once in their life. So before we were uh, talking, you were, we were sharing kind of a, our interests and our passions for a lot of the generative mm -hmm. AI. And I think a lot of what, you know, you're, you're, you're learning on the, in the background is a lot of product management skills or product building skills, you know, where in the world of, you know, maybe analogies could RevOps learn from say good product management. Uh, so. Uh, I think the story that I'd like to share over here is like I was a revenue operations manager uh, back in a company in, in Canada. Uh, and in my career progression discussion, with the director of RevOps, uh, I, I was sharing how I want to now move into product management. And she basically said, Temur, you're already doing product manager management. And I was like, what do you mean? Uh, she's like, hey, you are responsible for the internal processes and the tech stack of the revenue of team, which is in the CRM system, which is 80% of the company uses this, right? So you are basically managing this internal process and internal uh, 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 product, right? So what you're doing is exactly very similar to product uh, management. And that actually got me thinking, now when I look at it this way, right? So if you look at a traditional product manager, they are responsible for the customer experience of, of, of the software, right? Like when they log in, how it's going to be the login experience going to be, what features they need for the software. Now, when you look at, let's say, uh, revenue, when you look at that customer experience on a broader level, like what, what is their buyer journey and what is their journey like after they become a customer? You know, that touch points they're going to have the human. RevOps are kind of responsible for managing that, right? So think of, hey, the moment somebody signs up for a, a, a fill out a form on the website how how quickly they will receive a call from an SDR uh, or or get in touch with the SDR that experience is now in a way let's say governed by uh, RevOps right so other, another example could be hey like do in the buyer journey how many touch points they will have with with, with the sales team uh, whether are going to receive a like a electrical when it's, when it's time for signature are going to receive an electrical copy or I don't know, maybe receive a fax, right? So that experience, RevOps is kind of behind in the back end trying to uh, control that, right? So 
that and I think the another point I would like to probably make is uh, around this idea of like what is the role of RevOps? For me, it's it's improving the efficiency of our go-to-market function, right? So and that that way the product management lens comes in is like if you look at our let's say the apply the jobs to be done framework at our, 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 uh, our on the customer journey and and the the internal process and what are the jobs that are being done and like what are some of the areas we can go improve them. Right. So where does deals get stuck? Where what are the admirative things like reps are doing, which probably could be automated or if not, can be streamlined in, in a way that let's say some like you have a dedicated person doing that job. Right. So so you can you can have that, let's say, product management lens uh, and look at your internal processes that way. And that makes perfect sense. Um, one thing I was thinking of was. You know, at Amazon, we have this thing called an, um, a PR FAQ, uh, a press release. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to do is write a small snippet that essentially kind of broadcast, you know, what the outcome of this product is going to be. And the idea is to kind of create a vision space for the output. So it could be, you know, Tame Order worked on lead routing, which enabled leads to come in from three different forms on two different websites that allowed the lead to be routed to the right individual at the right time and answered within five minutes, thus achieving a two X differential from our nearest competitor. And so that PRFAQ hits on a lot of the basics around product management, you know, one focus on the user, your SDR, your sales rep, um, your CSM, but also the prospect, right? The prospect, their mind space is I just submitted this lead. They called me back. I'm in the right mood to talk about this. This is great. The second is pain points. Uh, third is um, how do you measure success? Um, fourth is thinking about the stakeholders and um, you know how do you tell that vision in a storytelling format? Um, one thing, one of the first tools that I ever used in RevOps that I, I quite frankly stole from product management is just a racy matrix or a DACI matrix, right? And mm-hmm. so when I'm building out my project management documents, it's, Okay, how do I get other stakeholders involved? What level of involvement should they be? And then how should I, as a project or a product manager, really conduct and communicate to the team how we're doing overall? So that's the one thing that I really like. The second thing is this um, focusing on user stories, right? Like, you know, this new field or new layout that you're asking for, like, why? <laughs> What's it going to do for you and for the entire team, right? Mm-hmm. Not just for one user, but for the entire org. I don't want to build a Frankenstack or uh, what do they call it? A Rube Goldberg machine. Something that is a, a comp- composition of a million requests and serves a million different people, but not everyone all at once. Exactly right. And I think like when it comes to frameworks, I would say I would recommend every, let's say, RevOps person to like look at a product frameworks, right? So even the delivery methodology of uh, like delivering through agile working in sprints uh, i feel like uh, building roadmaps and you know even building like a product uh, prd documents are sometimes really really helpful so uh, no I, I totally agree yeah so we talk about agile and sprints i often um, i think a lot of folks may not be familiar with it can you go into like mm-hmm. what is agile what is sprint and then what is a prd like you know let's go over some uh, of the basics maybe all right, so let's let's start with the PRD, right? So product a PRD is like product requirements document, right? 
So in terms of every time you're building out a feature, you want to basically lay this out uh, of, okay, what is, we're building a business case. Like similar to, let's say you were uh, talking about your memos at Amazon, like the, the stuff you stole from Amazon. It's like, what is that? It's a business case that you're building for every feature, right? So what are the requirements? What are the use cases? What are the benefits? So that is like when you have the lens of, you know, gathering those requirements from the users and uh, let's say focusing on the impact. So that's like, I would say building that document is helpful, especially when you're trying to either implement a new tool or making a bigger, bigger purchase or uh, a, an invest, investment of your resources. Uh, agile is generally the way I see agile. Again, uh, I also am a believer that you didn't, it, there's, let's say, people who are very religious about Agile, that Agile should only be run one way. Uh, I am not one of those people. I feel like, especially if you're operating startups, you, you, you should be fluid. Uh, the idea is actually now, uh, you basically take your the, all the requests you're getting, getting in, and uh, you separate out your, what we call the KTLOs, right? The KTLO is the keeping the light task that keeps the lights on. So in revenue operations, those are your, you know, the commissions that you have to run, the, the forecast calls that you have to do, it's like you know, the small bugs that you have to fix every day, right? So if you take that, dedicate that time out uh, for cards of time forever, then you're basically looking at, okay, what is the, the, the time I'm left that I can work in a week? And you now take these projects, uh, define them further, and then break them into smaller tickets. And then you uh, break them out into a sprint. A sprint is usually two weeks. People can, some, I've, I've known companies doing it for one week as well. Uh, so you break those into smaller stories and that you can now, uh, sorry, smaller epics, break them out of smaller tickets. Then you're like, okay, today I'm, we're going to focus on delivering these five things. And you then, uh, either through a, let's say a Jira board or, or Asana, you move them through your sprint, right? So you have a sprint, uh, you have a sprint planning document where you decide, okay, this is the stuff you're going to deliver in the next few weeks. You get your in, uh, communicate that to stakeholders, and you work only on those things for the next two weeks, taking out time for the KTLOs. And after that's two weeks, you are you're doing a let's say a, a retrospect of what you delivered. And those that's a good moment where you can go and like say communicate or uh, to the wider company or to the to the team in terms of what what you actually delivered in in, the, in those two weeks. So there's some benefits to did it. I, did I answer your question or did I go into too much detail? No, I think this is great. I think for the audience members, we have folks who've been in the RevOps space for a very long time, some folks who are just getting into it. Quite frankly, I've also received some messages from SDRs and sales reps who are curious about getting into revenue operations. So kind of getting into the mindset of how can I use different tools across different professions, use that into my incorporate that into my tool belt so that maybe one day they can pivot into revenue operations as well so no i don't think there's a right or wrong answer one thing that i always find challenging is when we're um when we have these sprints and we're communicating out what we're doing oftentimes it can feel like we're just being very busy very active but not necessarily productive um, and i think that's a i think that's that can be a trap that a lot of revenue operations leaders fall into when they're saying, well, I've, look how many tasks we've completed over the last two weeks. That's a 30% increase over, you know, six weeks ago. Um, but maybe they're not prioritizing on the right thing. So I'm curious about, you know, how do you communicate impact, right? You, you, you're combining product management, you're combining, combining sprints, that communication to the team, they know what you're working on. But how do you communicate impact, right? Like what can RevOps do 
Why is it important? And you know, how do you pair that with maybe an instrumental tool in my mind, which is the roadmap? Yeah. So before I actually answer this question, I would just want to like take a step back because I think what you said something earlier was really interesting, right? Is we are delivering these small things, which are not delivering a bigger impact, right? So what I feel is sometimes we have this habit of like doing like doing the small stuff makes us it gives us instant gratification, right? So if 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 I'm in Slack every day and just all day I'm just like replying to Slack messages. At that moment, I'm getting the instant gratification. People are like, uh, you know, saying thank you all the time, and I'm like, oh, I'm 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 being productive, right? But these small tasks, we're actually not moving the bigger rocks. Uh, we're not actually, you know, making a bigger dent. Uh, so that's why I think it's really important to not get in a trap of just like solving the small stuff, but rather having a roadmap. And I think one of the things that worked really well for me was uh, tying our RevOps OKRs to the business OKRs. So working in a, like an OKR format, let's say if you have an OKR for the revenue team, you have to tie, okay, how can we as RevOps deliver some on those metrics as well, right? So if, let's say, if you're supposed to launch a new tool, launch a new process, tie it back to the impact it's going to have to the business, right? So uh, let me give you an example. If you're saying that, hey, we're going to build a new automation in, uh, in Salesforce that's going to help uh, leads get routed faster. I'm just giving an example, right? So if you just leave it that, okay, like when you're communicating that impact, the, the question that people ask is, so what? And if you can answer that ahead of time, tied to the original objectives, hey, that is going to help us, you know, uh, increase the 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 buyer, uh, increase the satisfaction of, of, the, of the buyer. B, it, it can reduce the sales cycle, which is now going to impact our velocity and in, in turn our, our, our revenue. So that is like you know, tying the work that we do in order to a bigger company objective. Uh, yeah. So, and I think like- One thing uh, I was thinking of is, um, you know, TikTok. You know, TikTok has these like small videos and they're okay. instant gratification, little dopamine hits. And when you're working on something small, it can feel that dopamine hit, right? It's like, oh yeah, I feel so productive. I released that field, I got that new yeah. audition out. But then the business is weeping because no, you know, no big rocks have moved. <laughs> so it's uh, I'm I'm reading this book called Indestructible, uh, and where it uh, one of the things it kind of talks about is the fact that you know the distractions that we have is actually internal, and it it kind of comes from the fact that every time we start sitting about doing something hard, we distract ourselves with like doing something which might seem easier, right? So. Uh, Interesting. Uh, so I guess it's like the um, taking the path of least resistance, right? It's like, well, I could yes. work on this big thing that's going to take me four yeah. hours, but I'll just work on this little small thing that's going to, you know, take me fifteen minutes. <laughs> it, exactly. Exactly. And, and another thing I think that pops in my head right now is uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Paul Graham's uh, essay on uh, Magic versus uh, Maker Schedule. Uh, it is basically like you know, like sometimes we are. Like especially in RevOps, you have people who are makers and the people who are managers, right? So a, a traditional, let's say, Salesforce developer would I consider them more on the, on the uh, maker side, right? Because for them, meetings are are a distraction, right? They want chunks of focus time. They can dive deep into a problem and then go solve it. And I think understanding that within your team, like who is a maker versus who is a manager or who like to operate on the manager level, I think it's really helpful and 
having that conversation with your team actually puts yeah. the perspective of, all right, how do we actually now distribute time and work within a team? Do, does everybody needs to be in all meetings versus uh, who should be where, right? I got to tell you, my Mondays and my Tuesdays absolutely are horrendous. Back-to-back meetings all day. I actually get very little time. So I try to block out my calendar with these like Pomodoro sprints. You know, like mm. I'm going to just short burst, get these things built out of the way. And then it's my evenings after I put my child to sleep where, you know, yeah. maybe twice a week where I can really hammer out three, four hours worth of work. Like, for example, I'm building these dashboards that have uh, the data ETL'd out into a data warehouse. And I'm able to combine and blend objects, but that level of an intention around thinking through the SQL, you know, requires some critical thinking time on my part and a lot of, quite frankly, messing up, right? Like I'm writing and building things and quite frankly, having to test this all out. I can't do that in like 15 minute bursts or 30 minute bursts throughout the day. I have to have a big chunky block of a day to go actually go tackle something like that. Uh, exactly right, and I think you're in a unique position. I think I've been in that position as well, where you have to switch between a maker. You're the maker. You're the manager as well. Uh, and I think, like in that case, like for me, like sometimes I've been lucky where, let's say, I, I I usually wake up early, and I have this like morning slot, which is like okay, before any meetings, before I'm uh, I'm going to be online on Slack, I can task tackle the some of the harder problems. And it's afternoons for me are for the meetings. So mornings, I like to keep meeting free as much as I can. But yeah, so for me, that that works. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm more of an afternoon and meet uh, and evening person. Um, there is a level of uh, difficulty that I have sometimes though, where if I'm twisting and turning and thinking through like five or six different things in a short period of time, my mind is twisting around commissions one hour and then you know uh, org design a second a second hour. Then I'm firefighting and building out a report for someone the third hour. Just that level of mental turnover each day can be a little waxing. Uh, can be very can be very tiring. And so you know, take a little break, go for a walk, come back, and then it, once you're refreshed, your mental you, you can be mentally reloaded to go tackle that big task. So um, we're getting to the end of the show. I wanted to uh, one just ask you a question that I ask every guest. You know, if you were to go back in time and give advice to your younger self, what advice would you give? Okay, that's an interesting one. I think so. The first thing that pops in my head is uh, I would say believe in myself a little more. Uh, and, you know, like sometimes like I remember like I was in situations where let's say I was either the youngest in the room or, you know, least experienced and uh, uh voicing my opinion more often, right? Because I was always scared, oh, what if like, I, we have all this, I'm surrounded with all these like people who are way more experienced, but I think having confidence in my own opinion, I think is one, which is say it more often and communicate that. The other one I feel is, uh, which comes from, I think like, uh, how do I say it? Okay, you might have to cut this in the, so, because uh, I just blanked out. Okay, so, so the second one is to over-communicate. I, I feel like sometimes uh, we are so, uh, you know, we uh, sometimes I made the mistake that because I view the world, the world a certain way, everybody else sees it the same way as well. So, you know, just overcoming that by over-communicating, share your perspective more. Uh, and just because you, you see it a certain way doesn't mean the person next to you uh, also see it the same way. So it's always beneficial to 
state your point of view, over communicate rather than under communicating? I think that's a good one. I think a lot of times, especially in engineering or um, product management, you assume what the end user wants, but without clarifying, you may end up building something going down the wrong path. Um, so, by the way, where can folks connect with you, learn more about you? Where can they find uh, you? I only offer recently. I've started to become more active on LinkedIn. So I think LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect with me. I try to post now, let's say, once a week at least. So uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. Awesome. Well, thanks, Taylor. Great time. Great to uh, connect with you. And thank you for joining the RevOps Review. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Jeff.